What up, peeps? Impromptu session of Scott Speaks here, August 19th, 2023. Um, as you know, if you're a consistent and avid listener to the program, last week we had an episode of The Other Half, my lovely wife, and that is because Todd and family are in Spain, Spain, for two weeks. Uh, apparently they did get back yesterday, but Todd and I virtually never record on either Fridays or the weekend. So I figured I'd just make it easy on everybody except me and do an episode of Scott Speaks, um, and just, you know, speak with you guys as Scott. That's who I am. Uh, and just kind of talk about a couple things that are on my mind, Nothing too heavy today, not that we ever, rarely do we do heavy topics on this show, but just a couple quick things I wanted to go through uh, that are going on in the world, or in my life at least, um, and also in the world. You'll see. Anyway, um, first thing, just wanted to talk briefly, and I, I should know the basic details of this, which starts with the name of this thing, Hillary. Hillary, uh, Hurricane Hillary, that is making its way towards Los Angeles. Now, as someone who grew up in South Carolina, grew up on the East Coast, I'm very familiar with hurricanes, right? Hurricane Hugo in 1989, Hit the South Carolina coast pretty hard, made it all the way to Columbia, which is where I was, where I grew up and where I was living at the time, which was very rare um, to have. I mean, to have a hurricane hit the South Carolina coast is not rare, but to have it be strong enough to come all the way up into the Midlands of South Carolina was extremely rare, considering the damage and things that happened. So, you know, I, I grew up just knowing hurricanes. Like every year around this time, August September was hurricane season, and invariably a couple would either come close, be close calls, or would actually hit the coastal areas of my home state. And like I said, 89 Hugo was the biggest one by far uh, that actually impacted where I lived, but, you know, my my state neighbors, if you will, were always getting slammed. And of course, my, my dad grew up in Florida, so we would always, you know, we stayed in touch with, we had family down there and stuff, so even though they were on the Gulf Coast side, we would still hear about the hurricanes that would hit Florida because certainly the hurricanes could come up and hit the Gulf Coast side. Hello, 2005 Katrina. But anyway, um, so the fact that this one is on the West Coast and is hitting LA, it's like the first time in, I don't know, a thousand years. Like it's, it's one of these incredibly rare things that is happening apparently tomorrow. Uh, it's supposed to hit hit land tomorrow. It's coming up through Mexico. Uh, it's going to hit that that area of like you know Tijuana, San Diego, and then L.A. And it's you know the excuse me the 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 flash flood warnings and the take cover warnings. Certainly places like Catalina Island, which is off the coast of Southern California. Um, more the San Diego area, but kind of between San Diego and LA, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, those places are, are getting evacuate evacuation orders. Like they got to get the hell out of there. But then you have 
which you wouldn't have thought, no matter what you know about geography, then you have places like Vegas are under flash flood warnings. Certainly parts of LA are as well. It's just the, the West Coast typically, all, again, almost never gets this sort of a weather event. So it is kind of interesting seeing and kind of following the national coverage um, and, and seeing how these very densely populated areas are preparing for Hillary and what they're going to do. Um, and again, growing up in the East Coast, I can tell you, for any LA listeners that are listening to this, because again, it's August 19th, I'm going to post this within 45 minutes of me recording it, probably closer to 15 or 20 minutes of me recording it. Um, you know, it's completely, completely lost my train of thought. This is the issue with having a one-man show. Oh, um, I can tell you that even if it's forecasted to hit, you know, it's forecasted to hit San Diego or Tijuana or LA or whatever, it could totally take a turn. It could totally lose power. It could pick up power. It could go from a tropical storm to a hurricane, a hurricane to a tropical storm. It could turn left and go back out to sea. Like, we see all of that sort of stuff happening. And this is why, you know, when, when, you, when the, the meteorologist and the, specifically the storm specialist put together these paths and these timelines and these expected results and see, you know, tidal way, whatever, a lot of times you'll have areas that will not prepare adequately because they're like, oh, well, the experts are saying X, Y, or Z. And even though the experts try to give themselves a wide berth because they don't exactly know what's going to happen, you know, sometimes it can take a turn, it can gain power. Look no further than, what was it, 2013? Whatever that storm was that hit up in, up in New York, like Long Island area. And was incredibly destructive. And, I mean, Hurricane Katrina, obviously. Um, although Hurricane Katrina was more around the levees breaking. But I, I, if I recall correctly, the ones that went up north and hit the New York area, again, I'm not saying they weren't adequately prepared, but it was just much stronger than they thought. And the flooding was much worse than they thought it was going to be. And this sort of stuff happens all the time. And I'm not picking a side here, but, you know, it's happening a lot more recently. Now, there's a debate that you can make to say, well, is it happening a lot more recently? Or was this happening 80 years ago? We just didn't have national news coverage to where everyone now knows about it. I genuinely don't know the answer, but I think it is happening a lot more recently. Do I think it's directly tied to climate change? I don't know. I don't know any of that. I just know that I hear about this stuff more frequently. Um, kind of starting with Katrina. You know, again, Hugo was 89. And I... I don't personally know or recall any significant storms between 89 and between Hugo and Katrina. Hugo obviously stands out of my mind because it personally affected me, not in a major way. Columbia was fine. I mean, there was a lot more, you know, tree branches down and things of that sort than any other storm we'd ever seen before. It was a major storm. It was very loud, that whole thing. But we were fine. Um but between then and Katrina, I don't remember any specifically. I'm sure many came through. I'm sure many destructive hurricanes and tropical storms and tropical depressions and what have you came through and did ma massive destruction. But I don't remember any. But it seemed like Katrina hit, and then every few years there was another major one, whether it was down in the Gulf of Mexico area, whether it was on the flip side of the finger, 
that is Florida, so on the true east coast of the, the United States, or again, leading all the way up to the one that went way up north and hit the New York area and, and so on and so forth. So, and then of course we had, you know, the international ones, Puerto Rico and whatever it is. Um, it's just happening more frequently. And now this complete anomaly of a West Coast storm that's hitting California. It's just nuts. It's insane. No one could have possibly predicted that something like this would happen, um, except for the meteorologist, of course. Uh, but, you know, uh, a month or two ago, a week or two ago, going into this hurricane season, no one would have thought uh, that that we'd be having a hurricane in, in, in the Pacific time zone, period, let alone anything else. So, at the end of the day, I, I wish I wish you guys luck. Hopefully, it's not as nearly as destructive as you know worst case scenario models are showing. Hopefully, everyone that that, I, that has to live through it is fine. I, don't, I mean, I, I do have a friend who lives he lives pretty far inland. So, Roe, if you're listening, I hope you and the fam are safe. I'm sure you will be. Worst case scenario, I think your in laws live even further inland. So you. I assume you're taking the necessary precautions and we'll find a way to avoid any sort of direct damage that this storm may cause. But it's, you know, it's going to be sloppy. There's going to be news stories over the next few days. So, uh, you know, flip on your phones or your TVs, go to Weather Channel or any news outlet, and they will have constant coverage of this and and the aftermath. Um, So, again, I wish you guys well and uh, stay safe. If you're in the the, the line of uh, of destruction from the storm, if you will, so, so that's the first thing I wanted to cover tonight. The second thing has nothing to do with that whatsoever, but it's more personal to me, and um, not like it's a deep personal thing. But anyway, something that's more relevant to to my life and, and to things that I enjoy. So the World Track and Field Championships started today. They're being held in Budapest, uh, in Hungary, and in Istanbul. Boy, great start to this conversation. Um, no, I can't remember. I'll look it up right now. Budapest, yeah. Um, where is that? That is Hungary, right? Am I that? Am I that stupid? I don't know where Budapest is. I'm. I'm positive it's Hungary. I'm just gonna go with that. Um, so anyway. That is happening right now. Uh, literally, as I'm recording this, they're probably just a couple hours away from starting up again. Uh, the majority of this is airing on CNBC or uh, USA. So again, since this will be released within the hour, uh, everybody can check that out if they want to. And, um, you know, watch as much as you want. There was about... Six hours that aired today. There's also some on NBC, just on the weekends. There's about six hours that aired today. Tomorrow, for some reason, there's a lot more, like nine hours. Um, but it sounds daunting if you are if you have any interest in track and field. <laughs> Did I even mention this is track and field? I just said world championships. I don't think I mentioned track and field. But if you have any interest in track and field, you can zip through a lot of it. Like, I watched the 100-meter heats this morning. 100-meter dash takes, for men, less than 11 seconds. You can zip through all the intros and the talking and all that sort of stuff and watch the 11-second race and the 10 to 20 seconds afterwards and then skip to the next one. So 
I mean, I got through, let's say it was six hours that aired today. It probably took me about two hours and 15 minutes to watch all six hours. I, I may take the under on that number. But there was like, tonight was the the women's 10,000 meter final. That was an exciting race. Had a fall at the very end with Safan Hassan falling down. She was in the lead. She just lost her footing. Uh, it had tonight, the, 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 the last event of the night, tonight in Budapest. Uh, again, this, this would be Saturday. It's now Sunday there. Uh, but the last event of the first full day was the mixed relay, which is a four by 400 relay with two men and two women per team, which I thought was, which is one of my new favorite events. Although I will admit, I think they're doing it wrong. They're now forcing the order placement of the athletes to be the same. So it starts, I think I'm saying this right. Yeah, it starts with a male competitor, then female, then male, and female. The reason I say they're doing that wrong is when they first introduced this event to international competition, each team could select who ran in what spot. So for example, the USA team might do man, woman, man, woman, but the team from Japan might do woman, woman, man, man. Now, why does that matter? Well, at the end of the day, it shouldn't matter. But what makes it super interesting in that exact situation is that on the last leg, you know, I'm just, use, I'm just using Japan and the USA as examples. You can fill in whatever teams you want. But Japan might be way behind halfway through because they start out with two women and America has a man and a woman. And then on the third leg, it's man versus man. So they kind of, you know, maybe they make up a little ground on the U.S., but essentially it stays the same. But then that last leg, it's presumably Japan's strongest runner against the USA's strongest female runner. And look, at this isn't sexist. It's just true. At this level of competition, in the 400 meters, men on average are running six to seven seconds faster. So you might have a huge lead as Team USA, and then that last lap, Japan is just hunting down that female USA runner. And it made for really exciting events. And that was just the example I, I made up. You could also do the, the inverse of that and have man, man, woman, woman. And is that what I said all along? No, I said the opposite. And you could get out to a huge lead and then just hope to hang on with your final two legs, assuming other teams have at least one of their last two legs as, as a male runner. So anyway, for the purposes of these world championships, this time around at least, it was mandated, no pun intended, to be man, woman, man, woman. But in any event, uh, the, the finals were tonight. And by the way, spoiler alert, if you have this on the DVR, I apologize. Should have set up for giving away the 10,000 meter results as well. But um, Team USA won, but they had to come from behind because, well, the handoff of the final leg, it was pretty much neck and neck between um, between the USA and the uh, the Netherlands. Yeah, I'm almost positive it was the Netherlands. And, yeah, Netherlands. And Netherlands had Femke Bull, who is a world-leading 400-meter hurdler, but she was actually being caught by the U.S.'s um, anchor leg, whose name, 
Holmes. I forget her. I forget her first name, but her last name is Holmes. I'm almost positive about that. Um, and uh, so she was being hunted down, basically. And with like ten meters to go, she basically Alexis Holmes. Sorry, she basically tripped on her own feet and got up. And I think she got up for third because somebody passed. So the USA crossed the line first. It was, I'm not exaggerating, five meters from the finish. She just ate it, just fell flat on her face. I'm shocked she didn't scratch her nose or her or break her nose or something. The slow replay, it looked like she just landed face first in the track. She was eating rubber for sure. Um, but very, I mean, that adds to the excitement. Like it was already a very tight race. I think the U.S., I have to watch the replay again. I think the U.S. probably would have won anyway. Because Alexis Holmes was just, again, coming for her. Um, but once Femke Bowl fell, obviously, USA crossed the line. I think it was Canada? Oh, Great Britain got second. And then um, the uh, and then the Netherlands team walked across the line for third. So, um, so, yeah, two falls. And look, falls happen in track and field, specifically in like the 800-meter race and uh, the steeplechase, stuff like that, where there's a lot of haji-baji, as they say, a lot of bumping and things of that, things of that sort. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, there were two major falls in events where there oftentimes are not falls. And it, in both cases, it cost the Netherlands the chance at a gold medal. Safana San in the 10,000 meters would have won that race but she tripped and fell or she definitely would have gotten the silver, but she got bronze. Ethiopia just went, boop, boop, boop. Ethiopia swept the, swept the metal stand and the 10 K to no one's surprise. Everyone's like, oh, it's either Ethiopia or Kenya, right? Yes. It was Ethiopia in this case. Um, they got first, second, third. It's a fine. I think got like eighth. Like she just, cause she, she ate it pretty hard. Um, but it's just really, I mean, what bad luck in the first day for the Netherlands to go from, uh, you know, for sure two medals. And actually now that I'm reading this, this says Great Britain took silver and Czech Republic got bronze. So maybe Femke Bull got up and, 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 and got fourth. I know she got up and crossed the line. I thought she got third. And by the way, this is just also um, to show how competitive that mixed relay was. The U.S. set a world record. So good for them. They get some additional cash, I know, for doing that. Um, yeah, here we go. It says that Czech Republic got third, France fourth, Belgium. I guess they DQ they DQ'd the Netherlands. That's crazy. I could have sworn I saw her get up and cross the line. That is wild. Huh. Anyway. Um they must have it says a DNF, but it must have been a DQ. I'll do some more. I'll do some research to this and we'll update you guys <laughs> on the next pod, whenever that is, with whomever that is. Um, but in any event, so some super exciting events. There was also today, there were, like I said, there were um, early heats in the 100. There were also the first round of the 100 for men. If you don't understand that, it doesn't really matter. Um, the heptathlon, if I didn't mention that, that went off today. There was the 20K race walk, which is most people don't care about, kind of myself included. 
there were rounds for fifteen hundred men and women. There were I mentioned the steeplechase. Uh, the shot put was final. Ryan Krauser, who is now officially the the goat of shot putting as a sport, uh, got the gold medal. And so they did a <laughs> they did a little story on it. it was kind of a big a big deal. Like I don't know five days ago, a week ago, he found out. Well, he was in London. Excuse me, doing a Diamond League event there. Diamond League is the professional track and field circuit that is held in Europe, almost primarily in Europe. And um, he, I think he won, or I'm pretty sure he competed. And then he had a bunch of, like, soreness. He said he had some some calf soreness and some cramping. And uh, so he went, so he took the, the next day off. And the day after, he went to the doctor, and they were like, we think you have blood clots in your leg. And so he was like, oh, no. So he flew home, which I talked to Jamie about this. I'm like, isn't it not a great idea to, like, blood clots are, could potentially be life-threatening. And uh, she's like, yeah, it's probably not the best idea to fly. So not only did he fly, he flew home to the States, got it checked out, talked to the doctor, said, hey, I got the world championships in two hours or, you know, whatever it is, right around the corner in the next couple of days. Is it like, should I, should I pull out? What's, what's the deal? Can I do this? Am I putting my life at risk? And he said, under the advisement of doctors, they said, yeah, sure, go for it. So they got on a plane again and flew to Budapest. Like, bro, easy. I mean, again, I guess if you've trained for it for, you know, since the last major event, which I guess was the Olympics of last year, um, you might as well participate, but very dangerous to be doing all that flying with blood clots. Anyway, so he had two blood clots in his legs, came out through a uh, world championship record, a couple centimeters from a world record, and just crushed the field again. He's Shot put is definitely a <laughs> not a glamorous uh, event, in track and field. I mean, track and field doesn't have a lot of glamour anyway. You know, there are a few extremely popular athletes and then everybody else. Usain Bolt's the world, Michael Johnson way back in the day. Um, you know, there's certainly people now, Noel Isles and, and names like that. But, um, you know, Ryan Krauser is the greatest shot putter of all time. Not just because he holds the world record, but he just, he goes on these streaks where he just never loses. And it's not that he's like just kind of winning event. Like he's crushing events. He's winning by feet, and he's got this, like, new method that he does when he's throwing, and it's made him even more effective at the sport, so it's kind of scary to see where he could take it. Um, and by the way, I heard something today I thought was a really great way of thinking about this. A lot of people see the shot put on TV. They're watching an event, and they're like, I don't get it. It's a bunch of usually pretty tall, big, although sometimes they look kind of fat, but a bunch of big, tall guys throwing a metal ball seemingly not that far. Seemingly. Well, again, Ryan Krauser's winning throw today was, I think, 77 feet. So, and I, I, I give credit to, I believe, Lee, Lee Diffie mentioned this on the telecast today. To do what he did today, he said, go to your local basketball gym in Norcourt. Take a bowling ball. I'm pretty sure the apparatus in the men's shop puts 15 pounds. So take a 15-pound bowling ball, although it's a little smaller, but just pretend you're picking up a 15-pound bowling ball. 
and then go to your local gym, stand at the free throw line, at the basket, full, full court basketball court, and try to, using the shot put style, try to push that bowling ball or throw it in the air from the free throw line to the other end of the court and hit the baseline. That's what those guys are doing. And when you put it like that, it's like, damn, that is, that is a pretty long way. <laughs> that is a tough thing to do. I don't think anyone has ever really questioned that they, they clearly must be athletes. They must be good at what they do. But just thinking about like, that's something that most of us can relate to from one free throw line to the other baseline. That's a long way. And so, and to throw something that heavy, I mean, hell, if I go bowling for using a 15 pound ball, and I usually use a ball that's lighter when I go bowling. If I bowl for an hour, then I'm, I'm sore for days afterwards. So, you know, these guys, and again, these guys are obviously, every single one of them is much bigger than I am. So of course they have more strength and that sort of thing, but they do look like, you know, your local plumber or, or AC and heating or HVAC installer, but they're truly, they're, they're clearly and quite obviously true athletes. So all props to them. Congrats to Ryan Krauser, uh, Team USA, having a, a very good day one. I mean, it's, it, it's early. That's between that and the 10,000, that's basically the only medals that I think were handed out. But um, I think, oh, and the 20K, the 20K race walk, which no, no Americans, I don't even think I saw any participating, honestly, but they only showed that for a few minutes. So anyway, but I will say this, just kind of wrap up my conversation about the, the track and field world championships. I will, I, I don't foresee a time in my life when I, when I don't desire to watch it. I do enjoy watching track and field. Obviously, I prefer things like the 1500, the 5K, the 10K. I'll definitely be watching the uh, World Championship Marathon. Always interesting to see which, which people participate in that. So, you know, all the distance events, I'll watch, you know, I certainly watch the sprints. 100 meters seems like 80% flash, 20% actual, you know, speed and technique in that event. Same with the 200, just a bunch of personalities that kind of annoy me. Um, but there are events, like I said, the mixed, mixed relays, the mixed 4x4 I enjoy. The regular 4x4 I enjoy when you have uh, national pride on the line like that. But it is interesting as I'm now, you know, well into my 40s and I just don't have that speed anymore um, that I still find find it entertaining and I still find the interest in it. Because I think one of the things, certainly when I was younger, when I first started watching track and field at the international level, when I was in high school or even late middle school, you know, I was a young budding runner myself then. And I was like, oh, I can do this one day. And then obviously I went to, you know, I, I pretty quickly realized, okay, maybe I can't run at the international level, but it was still motivating to watch these people, again, doing the 1500 meter or, or whatever. I could be like, I, it, it was relatable. I couldn't run those times, obviously, but, you know, I grew up in the, in the, during the heyday when I was in high school, it was the heyday of Hishamel Garouge, who, in my opinion, is the greatest miler of all time. He does hold the world record in both the mile and the 1500 outdoors. And like, it was, I could just relate to it. I knew what it took to lay down those kind of times. And I still do, but I was, you know, I, but I could go to the track and say, let me just see if I can do one lap at the same speed of, of Hisham. And I could. I don't think I could do an 800 at the speed that he would do even within his mile or 1500 meter races. But like that was, you know, it was something, it was something tangible. 
I could watch it on TV one day and same day or the next day go do it. Uh, I can't do that anymore. I'm, I'm older, I'm slower. Um, and so it's interesting that I still have the same interest level. And I might even have more of an interest level. Now, that's somewhat skewed because there's just better coverage. You know, I don't think in the 90s, you know, in the World Championships in 97, I don't think they had, um, you know, eight hours of coverage or nine hours of coverage on a Sunday on CNBC in USA. It's just, just a different world back then. We didn't get quite as much, uh, you know, there might have been a 30-minute episode on wide world sports or something, or maybe even an hour if they want to really dedicate some time to it. So that is, certainly helps, uh, but it, it, it is interesting. But, you know, I think about, I thought about saying this tonight, and then at the same time I think, well, but I still watch the NBA. I still watch college basketball. And I never had a prayer, really, of doing those things. Sure, I wanted to do that too when I was a young kid, but I very quickly realized that was not in the cards for me. But I still enjoy that sport. So I think I watch it like most other people do to appreciate the talent of the athletes and to appreciate... Um, you know, what they're doing, and it's still something I enjoy watching. And again, like tonight, or, or throughout the course of the day today, there were two events that had falls at the very end. Like, that's that's exciting. I hate it for those people. I feel bad for those people. But, um, you know, it adds some excitement to the sport. And then there was the drama of, of events like shot put or whatever, where you're just, you know, each, each individual is trying to one-up the other guy or, or gal. So, I don't know. It's just, just kind of food for thought as I continue to get older and, like I said, slower and further away from being able to replicate what I'm viewing on TV. And this goes for basically every sport that I watch on TV. Uh, you know, every time I watch it, I'm one step further away from being able to do what they're doing. Um, it, it it does kind of beg the question of will that will that ever die? Will that that desire to watch that. I mean, every year, I just finished not long ago, last time I did Scott Speaks, I talked about this. Every year in July, I watch Tour de France. I can't do what those guys do for that long a period of time, but today I did, do a 20, I did do a 22-mile bike ride, and tomorrow I'll do probably a 26 or 27-mile bike ride because I just love it. I love getting out there on the bike, feeling the freedom of the wind in my hair, like the whole thing. I just love it. And, but... I'm, that's so recreational, the level that I do it at. Then, what, well, then So what is what is the, the draw and the appeal for me to watch these people do it at a very, very high level? I don't know, but I continue to do it. And I will continue to do it. I, I see no reason for me to stop, and I, the likelihood of me stopping is very, very low. So just interesting. Um, let me know if you have thoughts on that. What sporting events do you watch? Why do you still watch them? All that sort of stuff. So... Um, anyway, so that's the world championships again, check it out. This, I'm not getting paid to plug this, but, uh, again, a lot of the coverage is on CNBC, but it's all next week. It's, I think technically the dates for the world championships are the 19th through the 27th. I want to say that's the exact dates. I'm looking on the website. It should be, yeah, 19th through the 27th of August. So CNBC, USA, or NBC. And just look it up online. There's coverage, there's coverage schedules all over the place that, uh, that you can look up and, and get that information. But in any event, um, I 
had one other small thing I was going to talk about, but we're already 30, 30 plus minutes in. I try to keep these relatively short when I do the Scott Speaks episodes. So I guess I'll stop it there because I really don't remember what the last thing I was going to talk about was. So, yeah, we'll stop it there. Um, again, let me know. And we'll just use the generic BroPod email and communication devices here. But let me know if you have any thoughts on, because it is, it is interesting to me, you know, why do we still, as older people who are, maybe it's, this is not the case for me, maybe it's so extreme, it's like, it's a sport you participate in, you don't do at all anymore. And basketball almost qualifies like that for me. I mean, I'd go shoot hoops tomorrow if I had someone to, to do it with, someone who's interested in shooting hoops. But I can't tell you the last time I was out there even playing horse with someone, let alone, I think I played it with my niece actually a couple of years back. But anyway, uh, let alone like a pickup game. But again, I still love watching basketball. So anyway, give me your thoughts on that. Network at gmail.com. Network at gmail.com. Shoot me an email. Slide into our DMs on Instagram or or X, formerly Twitter, at the underscore bro underscore pod. Um, you can let us know what, what you're thinking about over there as well, if you'd like to. Um, and yeah, again, once more, to all my Southern SoCal brethren, or even, I mean, I got buddies in Vegas, or wherever this hurricane might impact the Southern California, you know, basically the Southwest area of this country, uh, stay safe, be well, take the necessary precautions, whether you think you might get hit or not, just assume it's going to impact your life and, and, uh, and plan accordingly, I will say. So yeah, with that, um, I will let you, let you go. What am I talking on the phone to someone? Anyway, with that, I will end this show. <laughs> I thank you guys for listening. Uh, next week, pretty likely that Todd and I will do a podcast. He's been in Europe for two weeks, so I assume he'll have a story or two to tell. He better or I'm firing him from his podcast. That he for free. But anyway, um, thanks for listening, guys. And until next week, see you.